Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Intros that make me get as hype as possible, man. That's the one. For some reason, it definitely I just, gets the energy going, man. I go back to loving basketball when they have the montage of Quincy McCall schooling everybody, and then they're, "Hey, Quincy, are you going to go to the NBA?" No, he's going to go to school and get his education. That's what. Uh, what's his name? Dennis Habert? Are uh, you talking about uh, his dad? The dad that's got the great voice. The, yeah, uh, Allstate guy. Yes, that's what I call him. Yes, that's the one I was talking about. I always think of that scene. Uh, it's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7. Yes, Dennis Haysbert. Dennis Haysbert. Haysbert or Haysbert? I don't know. Yeah, the, man, you talk about obscure celebrities, guys that you know who they are by their face. And it's in a lot of good stuff. But you don't know what their name is. Yeah. He fits that bill. Like he was in heat. Um. Okay, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want to send that to the text line. We're about to go to the live wire in a second. You're giving us the name, so I guess it's a little contradictory in how you're answering this question, but I do want to know, what's a good actor or actress that everybody knows their face, but they can't think of their name without searching for it on Google? Because they exist. Like, this is level C? Yeah, you call them that guy or that girl that was in. That was That's in how you whatever. always started off. I think snapping. Uh, I, we can call them snap, snap celebrities. All right. <laughs> I like that. Who, yeah, yeah. Uh, God, who is that? It's You know, they're in a... Uh, I want snap celebrity list from our listeners. You can text us 704-570-9610. Time now for a debut segment happening, I think, last week. I think mm. we debuted it. Mm. So we're continuing on. Time now for the live wire. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. All right, so I said last in the last segment, the visit to the mound, we were gonna save the the Orioles for the live wire. And yesterday it was reported that Kevin Brown, an Orioles broadcaster had been removed from the air after referring to recent losses for Baltimore and Tampa Bay. I literally pulled the cut yesterday afternoon, and I labeled it audio that got him suspended because I didn't know how to label the audio. I'm sure you all have heard, but we're going to bring it back to you guys. This is what Kevin Brown got suspended for for saying on MAS, uh, on, uh, on, on an Orioles broadcast. For the Orioles, Brandon Hydes felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in. But the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they can pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years, 
combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. For the Orioles, Brandon Hines oh. felt like... Don't know what happened there. I was waiting for the FCC violation. When I listened to this circulating on social media yesterday, I thought, great. Here we have another moment where an announcer said something awful and something that, I, oh yeah, maybe he should even be fired. I was waiting for it. And then I kept waiting. And then I kept waiting. All right. He's going to get suspended for a good reason. And then nothing came. All he was doing was discussing how the Orioles just don't have a good record against the Tampa Bay Rays at Tropicana Field. That's it. Spitting nothing but facts. Not even putting any opinion on it. And the fact that there was a graphic on the camera saying the same exact thing, but he's the only one suspended. And the production crew, to my knowledge, not one of them, have been suspended for putting the graphic. It's in writing up in front of your face. And yet this is the guy reciting what everybody can see is suspended. It's probably the most egregious suspension in a way that should absolutely not happen and the most insecure suspension. Baltimore does not know how to handle success because they've been actively tanking for so long that when success comes their way and anybody speaks ill of them anymore, oh, nope, you can't be a part of the organization. This is legitimately embarrassing. And you know I don't like to go all in on that sometimes, but legitimately embarrassing that Baltimore decided that that was too much for for them to have uttered on an Oriole broadcast. If I'm him, I quit the team, I file a lawsuit against them, and then I go to another team and go work for them because it is ridiculous. Uh, Yankees TV announcer Michael Kay said it was unconscionable and said it makes the Orioles look so small and insignificant and minor league. This is ridiculous. 100%. I'm like you. I was sitting there waiting for him to say something out of pocket, something that could have been misconstrued as maybe being, uh, you know, racially yes. charged or something like that. I got none of that. Just for a guy spitting the facts about the franchise, it's not his fault you were losing. Wes, I thought there was something that he said <laughs> where there was a word that I didn't know the meaning of it. I was like, wait, did he say something racially charged and it right. stemmed from a word that I just didn't know what yes. the meaning was? And so they decided to suspend him now. instead of outright kick him off of the broadcast team forever. Uh, that's that's as embarrassing a suspension from the party suspending as I've ever seen. I, certainly anything that comes to my knowledge in the last few years. Well, one of the reasons you might like the White Sox is Jason Bonetti said that uh, he quoted about the White Sox winning six of their 13 games against the Orioles this season. And he said, which I hope I don't get suspended by the Orioles for saying that. That's so, right. Uh, yeah, man. But very, very ridiculous. Great dude, by the, the way, Orioles. Jason Bonetti doing yeah. some Charlotte Knights games. I think, you know, being a local guy around here and does yeah. a great job. So, yes, shouts to Jason Bonetti. Zero shouts for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, no, they they made more of an ass of themselves yesterday than they've done the last half decade where they've actively taken. Now, look, it's paid off. They're set up to be successful the next decade or, or longer, but it's utterly embarrassing, and I thought it was great seeing the baseball community and then just sports broadcasters around the country really come to his defense. Hopefully he gets to go somewhere better than Baltimore well, to call my, baseball games starting soon. Well, and my question is, you're in the AL East. You are in a historic baseball division where the Yankees and the Red Sox are sporting the bottom positions in the AL East. You're at the top at 70 and 42. Nothing but good PR coming your way. 
What do you think is going to happen when you make this suspension? Did you think it was all going to be quiet when nobody heard Kevin Brown's name or they didn't hear his voice on the broadcast? And then people will inevitably ask questions as to why. And then when that is the reason, did you think you were going to get good PR? After a season where you're 70 and 42 and all of the storylines about you should be nothing but good. Yeah. Nothing but positive. But you have to get in your own way to where you have to manufacture something negative because it's so what you're used to in the last five, seven years when you were tanky. Yeah, I I just I hope we never see anything like this again. I I know teams are really protective of conversations and content around them. And it, it's not like Baltimore is the only team that has that kind of thought process. But the fact that they suspend somebody for that, that is way too insensitive and insecure. All right. So we usually play sound in this segment, but we got a storyline coming out of Washington that I wanted to get both of your guys' uh, opinions on. According to Commander's head coach Ron Rivera, some of his players expressed their concern over new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy's intensity during practice. Mm. Bieniemy has responded saying, quote, I'm always going to be loud, always going to be vocal, always going to demand from my leaders. Um, he goes, he follows up by saying, if I ain't doing my job, my ass gets fired. It's my job and my responsibility to make sure I'm getting our guys to do what I'm expecting them to do. What do you guys make of this where, you know, this is this kind of was a, a chance for him to get away from Andy Reid, where if he goes out this year and Washington puts together a top 10, 12 offense in the NFL, he more than likely gets the head coaching job he's been to, he's been owed the last three to five head coaching cycles. Now you've got players pushing back on this. What do you guys make of what's coming out of Washington? Well, I think that this is probably one of the losing mentality things that they have, and I do love Coach Rivera, but come on. I mean, I'm going to give Bienemy the benefit of the doubt here. He comes from the winning organization. He's got the championship rings. He's come from a successful offense, one of the best in the league that he helped the architect. So, yeah, he's trying to get that type of culture in Washington, and if they don't like it, that just speaks to what type of organization uh, offensively, especially that they've been because a guy that's coming in with this type of experience, this type of hardware, these type of accolades, they need to listen to him and do what he says outside of him asking them to do anything that is uh, inappropriate or anything uh, that these guys feel like is belittling them. But it sounds like to me, he's just coaching the hell out of them. It just doesn't seem like there are any winners at this. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy's not a winner. The players don't come across as winners. Ron Rivera's explanation doesn't come across as very positive surrounding this organization either. And so I just don't know how they benefit. Now, if the story's out and you have to answer for it, okay. But there were some rumors about Pat Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy getting into it. Mm -hmm. Remember, we saw the viral clip of them on the sideline. And Pat Mahomes afterwards said, look, it's a competitive football game. We're going to disagree and we're going to get into it every once in a while. And that's how he answered the viral clip that showed them not being very happy with each other in real time. But now Eric Bieniemy brings that same mentality. Ron Rivera mentioning in a comment about it that he's not going to change because it's worked for him, certainly in his time at yeah. Kansas City. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. So what I don't want to do is get caught in a corner. 
and say, oh, the players are a soft bunch, and then something bad come out that Eric Bieniemy is doing. Yeah. So I just don't know the content and how bad it is at the same time. I just can't point to anybody right now and say, okay, that's the party that's right in all of this. Well, Rivera also came out and said that he's had a number of guys come to him, and he's told them to go talk to Bieniemy. And he said as they go and talk and listen to him, it's been a lot enlightening for a lot of the guys. And he said it's a whole different approach. And, I mean, I get it, though. I don't like a coach, and I never did like a coach that just yells constantly, always loud, because yeah. it does take away the message when you do it often as opposed to if you do it sparingly. So I get it. But as far as I just feel like he's maybe doing the new coach thing and trying to test everybody and see who's going to be quote-unquote tough enough to be able to play in his offense and, and go from there. So I don't know. Well, a couple things, too. I mean, we remember when we had the Amazon product, All or Nothing, released on the Carolina Panthers. Wasn't it Ron Rivera who was cursing up a storm during his team? Like, Ron Rivera, I'm surprised he's not like, yeah, I'm about it. This is kind of why I hired him, because yeah. I'm down with it. But the players they in that locker room, they loved Ron Rivera. And that's one thing about changing the culture when they decided to fire him. I don't know if the culture needed to change. They just needed to win more games. But Eric Bieniemy coming over and now having this surrounding him, I just – it. It's tiring to hear a lot of the negative storylines surrounding Eric Bieniemy, who had a big part in Kansas City's offense, at least if you listen to Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, two of the biggest figures in that organization's history. That'll do it for the live wire. We had a couple of topics that we could have gone foul line on, especially for the baseball one. Well, you know, and I could go foul line on Wes because, you know, Uh he just disclosed that if I were ever to be a, a, a coach that was recruiting me, couldn't play for me because he didn't like being yelled at. And uh, I'm a yeller. Drum! You got that list ready to go, son? Man, right. I don't like coaches that have to look up to me and yell. Uh, 100%. <laughs> that hit so hard in high school. In high school, I love my basketball coach. He grabbed me one time, and I just like, ah, I, don't, I don't need to be grabbed here. And it wasn't anything violent. Ooh. It was actually on me. He grabbed my jersey. He grabbed my jersey to move me somewhere in the zone that I wasn't. And it, it's so soft, yet I just didn't like it. You know, maybe that speaks to more about me. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to look for coddling. I'm also going to coddle Drum as he continues to help us out with some more research. A couple more segments to go. We got a wild soundbite for you from Von Miller. One that I don't think Panthers fans are going to like. Maybe you like it at first and then you just learn to hate it as time goes on. We'll play that soundbite coming up next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on that text line, 
9610. And real quick, just hitting the uh, the text line off of our last uh, live wire segment, Jack said that he feels like this is the NFL's agenda against Eric the enemy. And just real quick before we jump into something else, do you feel like this is just something else to add to the list of why this could prevent him from getting a job potentially? I don't think it's the NFL's agenda because players are doing this. It's not like this is some media manufactured storyline yeah. against why Eric Bieniemy is not getting a job or anything like that. There are clearly things that Eric Bieniemy is doing where we've seen it in Kansas City and we're seeing it in Washington. And Eric Bieniemy deserved to be a head coach somewhere. It still deserves that and we'll see what he does as an offensive coordinator. Ultimately, if you put together a really good offense and Sam Howell makes a big old leap under Eric Bieniemy and his tutelage, that's all that's going to matter. I I shouldn't say that. That's actually wrong. That's all that should matter for Eric Bieniemy to become a head coach. But no, I don't know if I would go with the statement as strong as to say this is the NFL's agenda against him. You know, Ron Rivera talked about how, yeah, this is something he's had to talk to players about. Multiple players have done it. We've seen these clips within, in Kansas City. So there seems to be something real about that. And I hope that it doesn't go against him to answer, that. I guess, the first part of your question. I hope it doesn't go against him if he deserves it. If you're talking about an offense that outperforms expectations given their personnel, then I hope he gets a head coaching job because he's been left without one for far too long. All right, to please the tease, we talked about it going into the break. Von Miller had a take on the 2015 Carolina Panthers. So let's hear what he had to say, and then we will dissect. If you go back to the 2015 Super Bowl when we played the, the Carolina Panthers, like if we play those guys 10 times, I don't see us beating those guys, you know, we probably beat those guys twice. You right. know what I'm saying? They had they had one of the most amazing offenses and amazing teams in you know in NFL history. Cam Newton MVP and Luke Kuechly on defense. So we were able to just scratch one out and, and win that one. So it takes a little bit of luck. Yeah. So when you hear that comment, it's interesting to see what Panthers fans will feel about this because I remember reading about that game after the fact and the scheme that Wade Phillips put in and the way uh, that they did the zone dogging and and sending guys in at different times and kept Carolina's offense uh, off off its beat. And so the thing for me about that game, I remember just being shocked because I thought the Panthers were going to win that game. Uh, I didn't necessarily think they were going to blow Denver out. I knew Denver had a really good defense. But just the fact that that you look at this team and you go back and look at 2015, and Carolina had the highest scoring percentage in the NFL when you talk about percentages of drives that end in offensive scores, they scored at almost a 43% clip right at it, 42.9. I mean, this offense was potent. I remember them dismantling the Arizona Cardinals, just blowing through everybody. They looked like a complete juggernaut. And I just do think that uh, this defense was able to concoct a scheme that was able to get them in a situation in a one-game scenario where they were right where they wanted to be, kept it close, and were able to make the big defensive plays to win that football game. I think I do agree with Von Miller. I do think that this Carolina team, if they get a chance to make adjustments and come back and play the Denver Broncos and somewhat solve that defense, then I think we could be looking at uh, that type of run where they beat them that many times. That comment made by Von Miller, a part of the Pardon My Take podcast, by the way, 2015 Carolina Panthers would have beaten the Denver Broncos eight out of 10 times is what Von Miller was saying. It's a lot. Even if you don't think that Carolina beats them eight out of 10 times, the spirit of the take is that Denver overall was an inferior football team and how great Carolina was. 
I've said this a lot. That 2015 year for Carolina, it wasn't a great season. It was a historic season. And you're talking about going 15 and one. Your only regular season loss taking place December 27th when you lose to the Falcons 20 to 13. And then you win the next game 38 to 10. So you blow out the last opponent in the regular season. You blow them out of the water. Mercury Morris and them 72 Dolphins, they were sweating during that time. Yeah. They were drinking champagne a lot later in the season than they usually are. And the fact that the Carolina Panthers, the 76 Dolphins, I apologize for the year. Either way, the Carolina Panthers were very much flirting with a Super Bowl run, and they were very much flirting with an undefeated season. Offensively, you mentioned it. Number one, Cam Newton wins MVP. Defensively, they were loaded everywhere. Josh Norman had an all-pro season. We know about the linebacker tandem with Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley. And then the defensive line was outrageous and with the kind and not even, you know, nearly as strong as what they had in years past. And yet still it was really good with K1 short and even Starla Tule in the middle. I, I believe that Carolina was a better team overall. How can you not remember? I mean, they ran through Seattle. I know Seattle came back, but I mean, 31 to 24 does not paint the entire picture. Yes. Seattle came back, but they got off to a big old lead in that divisional round. And then they destroyed Arizona in the NFC championship game. Yeah, it, it's, it sucks to see that the Carolina Panthers weren't able to take it home in the end, but I, it's it's tough to imagine a more talented team, even with a, uh, a weak wide receiver group, Wes. Like, it's tough to imagine a more talented team in Panther history, and if you could even get back to that any close amount of time. Well, that was the thing, though. Denver had the type of defense that was tailor-made to go up against this offense. When you talk about the corner tandem that they had at the time, and a lot of people sleep on that Denver defense as being one of the best uh, that we've seen in quite some time because Akeem Tlaib and Chris Harris at those cornerback spots and Bradley Roby even in the nickel. I mean, that was a tremendous trio that were able to cover guys, and then you back that up with DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller, and then Malik Jackson was an adequate pass rusher. Derek Wolf on the inside, so they had the pass rush to go along with uh, the the secondary that they were able to disrupt Carolina's timing, and they were certainly able to get after the quarterback. I just think that if you give Carolina time to be able to adjust to that and maybe figure out some way to slow down that pass rush um, and, and give guys a little bit more time to get open because there were definitely some plays in that game that could have made it a different ball game. I think about just off the top of my head, the Cotri catch. Well, that was- we're getting texts right now. One from Panther cliff hashtag Cotri caught it. Yeah. It was a blown call yeah. very early in the game where Jericho Cotri did have possession of it. But of course with the whole, we don't know what a catch thing is. They called it dead and the Denver Broncos would eventually, you know, benefit from that. Up the text line. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> uh, all caps. I mean, that's how it is. You know, Cotri did catch it. And instead, the Panthers, they'd lose 24 to 10 with an awful offensive performance. Cam Newton going 18 of 41, 265 yards, throwing the interception. But Denver's offense wasn't good. No, they were not. It was a defensive game at its finest. And you just felt like Cam, I just think he got very 
frustrated and just turned into a shell of himself. His body language wasn't the same. Just a whole lot about him wasn't the same. That Denver defense definitely took uh, a piece of him during that game because he just wasn't playing with the same joy and enthusiasm you had seen all season long. So, yeah, I mean, you have Peyton Manning get sacked five times. The defense, for the most part, showed up. Yeah, they came to play. Well, and the Panthers' offense didn't put him in great positions. Uh, 24 points, that is actually more than what you would expect from that kind of offensive performance with C.J. Anderson, 23 carries, 90 yards. Yeah, a little bit of a grind, but remember he also had a long 34-yard rush in that game, scoring one touchdown. Peyton Manning, 141 yards on 23 pass attempts and one interception. And remember who the Super Bowl MVP would have been if Carolina won that game? I Look, if they would have win, then you'd probably expect better numbers from Cam. But Coney Ely, it's one of the more fascinating things that Coney Ely had an interception three sacks in that game and would have been like the Dexter Jackson of the Carolina Panthers where Dexter Jackson on a really talented roster with better players overall on that Tampa Bay 02 Super Bowl team. He has such a great game. He wins the Super Bowl MVP. Coney Ely would have been that guy for us in Carolina, despite being like what the eighth best defender, <laughs> the, se- the seventh best defender overall. Now somebody else wrote in about the offensive line. Fiddy, I want to get to your take that you had during the break about Von Miller's soundbite, is that the offensive line got exposed. And you were saying you don't agree with Von Miller that the Panthers would have won 8 out of 10 because the tackles specifically, that was the tandem that got exposed. We all remember Mike Rimmers just getting destroyed in this game. And so that's why you don't necessarily agree with Von. Yeah, I mean, like, look, if you're doing a best of seven, do I think the Panthers probably ultimately would win the best of seven? I, I, I think the answer is probably yes. But 8 out of 10 like felt like it was a, a, a little bit too far to me because, like, to Wes's point, like, Denver's defense was built to attack Carolina's offense. And you gave Wade Phillips, one of the best defensive coordinators in the history of the NFL, two weeks to prepare for an offense that had issues at tackle and did not have a number one wide receiver. So, like, I was never really surprised that they struggled the way that they did. And you, and you, you, look, you, you mentioned Cam. This is going to come across as me hating on him, and it's it's not. That was the only game that year where he looked like the Cam Newton we saw the first two or three years where when it wasn't going his way, Cam checked out. And, and he checked out mentally, I thought, in that game. Well, I, checked out seems to have intent behind it. I think he was just rattled. I'm not going to say that he checked out and gave up on the game. Because that's what checked out sounds like well, to me. Well, you know, the fumble might might suggest otherwise. The fumble <laughs> he didn't dive on, and people are going to roll with that 100%. Uh, to, to say that Cam was like, all right, we're not going to win, I, I can't buy into that narrative. I just can't. Now, if you want to say that he got rattled by the six sacks that he took because Mike Rembers got absolutely destroyed by the best defensive player in the league, especially maybe outside of Luke Keekley, don't want to get Panthers fans mad at me, but Von Mel, I mean, we know how oh, Von he was, was, he was. He was special. And you forget a young Shaq Barrett was on that defense, too. Yeah, and, and as a rotational pass rusher before he explodes in, in Tampa Bay, no doubt about it. I'm with you. The wide receiver group, clearly the biggest weakness with that squad. Remember, Kelvin Benjamin gets hurt in uh, joint practices. And as soon as Kelvin went down, I mean, I thought the offense was going to struggle. It's like, all right, they don't have a number one wide receiver. But it was Greg Olson. And then you got just enough from Ted Ginn. You got just enough from guys like Philly Brown and even Jericho Cotri. And Greg Olson was your number one option. You had a really good running game. 
The offensive line, remember, the interior was really good that year. I mean, they were stout. Andrew Norwell gets a big old contract. Trey Turner, one of the best guards in the league. And your boy, Ryan Khalil, who you're trying to put right now in the ring of honor. It was just the tackles. They held up just enough all season long. They were as close to average as we had in quite some time. And continuity. Remember, no injuries that season. I just think the main takeaway here is that Von Miller, that guy, thought so much of that squad that here he is to this day saying, whew, 10 times? I'm glad they don't play that long of a series. (laughs) It, It just puts into perspective to me, I think the main takeaway from that take is looking back at how special that group was. All across the board, except maybe wide receivers, but even they played well. All across the board, man. They were crazy talented, and they showed up really every single game except for a Falcons game in the regular season and the Super Bowl against Denver. And so when you look at this team, do you feel like that they can ever get back to that level again? It's gonna, I mean, that's a great question because they're 15-1. and one, They lose the Super Bowl. They lose to one of the best defenses of all time, right? I think you everybody will go to 85 Bears. You'll go to 2000 Ravens. And this is the other team that Ooh, won with the Seahawks. Yeah, I'll say, yeah, oh, you're talking about one with Seattle. a bad offense. One with an offense that didn't perform well. Russell Wilson, there's well, a reason this guy is. Yeah, the Bears did have sweetness, though. Oh, no, no, they did. Yeah. But Jim McMahon, if we're going to celebrate him as the best quarterback in franchise history. Oh, not, but he was, he was good enough. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. But, but right, right. Like, that's that's not exactly a glowing review. Gotcha. Good enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Here, Trent Dilfer, worse than Jim McMahon. But this is my point. When there's such a distinction in defensive side. Because offensively, Seattle was real, man. Like, yeah. Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, highly underrated. But also, Marshawn Lynch, the guy they didn't give it to Marcy on Harvard. the goal line, right? Like, they were really good offensively even though sure defensively is what make them you know what made them go point being Denver's offense that was a rough performance from them in the Super Bowl and it was the defense that carried them really all year long they had a quarterback change in the middle of the season that year they went away from Peyton they benched him they're like no we're rolling with Brock Osweiler (laughs) and they got to the Super Bowl yeah monster gap between how well that defense played and how well that offense Uh, I think under Bryce Young I think eventually they could have a season in that ballpark because like I said you look at the offensive talent it's not going to blow anybody away and so I think if you get this team uh, a dominant number one receiver and that Mingo comes into fruition and he's number one-esque as well and then uh, Miles Sanders if he as advertised, offensive line continues to do what they need to do, and we know they've got some good young players on defense. A lot has to go right, but I don't think it's out of the realm of the po- realm of possibility for Carolina to get back to this type of level again. I mean, they've done it before. So defensively, that's where you have some work to be done. Even though I like this defense, so cornerback, yeah, linebacking core was. It was nuts. Yeah. I mean, Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis having not even in his older age, perhaps saving a lot of snaps because of the ACL injury. I don't want to say a blessing in disguise. I didn't have to go through that rehab. So I'm not about to say that that was a blessing in disguise to have three torn ACL. You don't know the pain, baby. Uh, I don't want those problems. (laughs) Yes. Especially in church league softball. I have to imagine that was a lot. Basketball, get it right. Uh, it, it changes. The sport changes. Oh, I, I no, think. no. The ACL was basketball. The 0 for 4 was in <laughs> softball. The defensive line, you probably have a better edge rusher in Brian Burns here than you did then, even though your edge rushers were good. The defensive tackles were the strength of that defensive line. It's possible for sure, but that season was out of this world. I mean, it was absolutely it was definitely nuts. lightning in a bottle. Yeah. So, yes, there's a possible there's a possibility that you can be that good again and maybe not have that record 
you can still be a a fantastic team and not go 15 and one and lose a Super Bowl. But it's going to be tough to put all of that together again to to have your MVP. Remember, that's tough to do. Yeah, there are outright franchises that have never had an MVP before. And Carolina in their young history, comparatively, they've had one now because of the year that Cam Newton had. All right. So, Fitty, let's go. Last flash of the day. Let's get it. It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Wow. All right, guys. We haven't talked about Charlotte FC advancing to the quarterfinals of the League's Cup. They do so last night with a 2-1 a win over Houston. And you know who they meet on Friday night? Who's that? They meet the greatest player. Maybe to ever play the, the, the sport of soccer. They meet Messi on Friday. Is, is this the type of match that for guys that acknowledge soccer, but you, you're not like me, you're not watching match in, match out? That will have your attention on a Friday night as the preseason schedule gets fully underway this weekend. It's going to yeah. be exciting. I'll I'd say so. Oh, yeah. I would love to check in and see what's going to happen with Messi. And you think he's even bad for the MLS? Is that what you've discussed? Or you think that the MLS is rigging some of these games in order to benefit Miami and Messi being a part of it? You know, look, when he's <laughs> a part of the Apple TV deal, mm-hmm. doesn't it benefit Apple TV and their partner for mm. the greatest player okay. in the world. X-Files to be, music. You're, ta- just- you're talking about a team that when he joined last place in the MLS table. And now they're in the quarterfinals of the League's Cup. You think Arian Foster wrote that script for him? The scripts out. I mean, look, it could be that he's just that damn good, which <laughs> he, I mean, he obviously is. Yeah. But, you know, we see things hand. We, we see things go hand in hand sometimes. Yeah, I mean that's something I'm definitely gonna check out. I mean, he's been scoring. <laughs> he's been scoring crazy since he, he got has, there. He's been so fantastic. It, he takes over viral highlights every single night. But when we come back, we're gonna close this thing down. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, it brings up good memories. A young drum in the Planet Kia Studios. Our (laughs) shadow for the day. Wes's girlfriend's nephew. Drum taking in all that is sports radio and specifically Wes and Walker. It reminds me of the days that Fiddy was my intern at a previous radio station. (laughs) And I allowed Fiddy to hop on the mic and he would give us some of the question segments. He would do research. A lot more quiet version of what Fiddy is today. And I mean, I'm trying to tell you, 
it is night and day what Fiddy was as an intern. I'm not joking at all, by the way. Oh, like, I'm, I'm sure. I'm 100% serious. It is night and day what Fiddy was like as an intern and what he's like. It's the only recommendation letter I ever wrote. I actually read it yesterday. I read it as I was consolidating a lot of my files on my computer. Yeah. In fact, I could bring it up in a second, but it reminds me bringing drum to his to the mic where he's about to have his radio debut it reminds me of doing that for one fitty and then helping him create a career out of it fitty one after you thank me do you remember that day that you first hopped onto the mic as well oh i i remember the first time i ever talked on on radio mm -hmm. and I, i'm gonna do a demonstration that one can't see i had my mic that's right like five well like three feet away from me so so yeah to paint the picture here you were asking questions for us to answer. It was yeah. like, you know, very PTI-esque. You were being yep. our temporary Tony Reale. And the mic was like this. And so people were hearing you ask questions. And then I had to turn my mic on and say, hey, Fiddy, why don't you bring the mic close to your face? So people <laughs> hear you. Was, oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, but yeah, you know what I also remember about that day? Because, you know, I got I to gotta get a jab back at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was locked outside the studio for the first two segments because because you showed up at like six five thirty. You showed up but at five thirty. Remember, I did not have the passcode, and I sent you. I didn't have your phone number. I had to talk to you via email. Oh, I remember this. And yeah. I, so I had to email oh, you that rough. hey, I'm outside the studio, and then like you I'm showed just, up before anybody, correct? I'm pretty first... sure I was, yeah, because, I mean, I lived at the time an hour away, still living in historic Lancaster, mm -hmm. got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. and and made the drive and sat there and walked inside, because I was nervous. Like, I walked in, and I'm like, am I at the wrong place? Uh, I, I'm I'm so angry at myself for this recommendation letter. Here, here's, here's my first paragraph. <laughs> Josh was an excellent addition to the morning show, who showed a level of initiative we seldom see from other students. I never ask interns to arrive before 7 a.m. despite our program starting at 6 a.m., but Josh would arrive at least 15 minutes before the broadcast, demonstrating a rare promptness that went above and beyond, not to mention he lived an hour away. I hate myself. Why would I do that? Right. Why would I be so nice to a guy? I'm trying to think of a, a, a villain in a superhero movie that started out as modest, and then once they became who they became, they just became... Just you mm -hmm. couldn't stand them. Flounder was in the studio saying you shouldn't have written that recommendation letter because you created a monster yeah. by doing so. And yet here now we have them yelling at, you know, freshmen in high school, not even <laughs> on air. Right. And yet here I am giving them airtime. So anyways, all right. So it's time for the debut of one 14 year old drum drum. Are you nervous for your first ever uh, radio appearance? Uh, just a bit, just a bit. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> Remember, we, we gave him we gave him a project to work on our research team. Thanks to drum for, for being our first leader of the research team. He has to come up with the, the top five worst venue names in all of sports guaranteed rate field, being the name of the Chicago White Sox venue is what spawned this conversation. And so he looked at a list. He's going to give us the top five worst names according to whatever list he picked. And then he's going to give us an honorable mention. It's going to be drums decision is what it's going to be. Okay. Alliteration. Learn it. It's used a lot in radio. All right, drum. What is the fifth worst venue name in all of sports as it currently stands? Okay, so this Make is Make sure you're talking to the mic. Don't do the fitting mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Go ahead. This is off a uh, website I saw. Uh, so it's the number five worst one is Save on Foods Memorial Center. Yeah, mm. that's trash. That is, that's big trash. Save on Foods, big I, trash. What, what's the reason behind it? 
Uh, it sounds like it's just like the world's biggest supermarket. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a place I'd go shopping, not go see a sporting event. Who yeah. plays there? Um, the Victoria Royals of the WHL. Okay, sounds awful. All right, what's number four on the list, Rob? Uh, Tony Macaroni. That's wait. That's not real. That's one of the best. That's not real. <laughs> oh, man, Tony gotta... Macaroni Arena. Yeah. Who plays there? Um, this is going to be a, a frequent question. I'll go ahead and look that up. We'll get uh, our our vice president of the research team on that. So the Livingston FC uh, soccer club. Oh, right? that, wow! That might be top five. Tony for me. Macaroni. That that does have a nice little swing to it. Yeah, I mean, oh, we got a big old game at Tony Macaroni today. Uh, what's three? <laughs> what's next on the list? Uh, Sleep Train Arena. That's where the Kings play. Where they? Well, yeah, where they play. They renamed it though. All right, going to rename it for this fall. Yeah, it used. I still call it Arco. Really? Yeah, Not because old. Arco is one of those. You got to be good with sleep train in there because people will definitely go to sleep. And now it's what the Golden One Center or something like that, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. All right, what's the next name on this list? Uh, Smoothie King Center. I kind of like that. I, I don't have an issue with Smoothie King. Uh, Neither does Zion. I'm, I'm questioning. <laughs> <laughs> I like Smoothie King. I don't mind the Smoothie King Center. That has a nice ring to it. But this is according to a website, that drum says. And, and literally, he said, oh, this is according to a website. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right, number one. All right, what's number one on the list, drum? The University of Phoenix Stadium. And I say this because the Arizona Cardinals play there. And it, the uh, stadium name sounds like a college team, and they play just like one. Wow. Okay. okay. I like that. That was some good analysis. Our first hot take. Yeah. From Drum. I appreciate it. So that's the list, and that was your mention on this? Yeah. Okay. Very good. The first list ever. Nicely done. Rank Radio. Drum blessing us with his takes on the mic. <laughs> how, how do you feel after it? Fine. Still want to do good. this? It was great. All yeah. right. Still want to do this after today? Oh, the yeah. nonsense you saw between the breaks. Don't tell your mom and uh, all of them. All right. We'll have a, <laughs> we'll have a top five list from Drum. The next two days is going to be in the studio shadowing as well. And so we're going to get Drum's decisions. We have Fitty's favorites. We have all sorts of stuff like that. So we're going to install a new segment for the next couple of days with Drum's decisions on some of the worst venue names. And, well, maybe you can lead us uh, off with another topic tomorrow. The listeners can. At no 704 570 Ninety-six, ten. That'll do it. I thought about reading another paragraph, but I don't want to throw up on oh, air. Come on. I was talking about right, one more, one more paragraph. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the closing paragraph on this recommendation letter that I wrote for Fitty. Josh is creative and versatile enough to thrive in any environment he finds himself in. He'll meet any task with enthusiasm and confidence. On the off chance he doesn't have the answer, this is pursuit of happiness. Asked by the way, he'll either find it. Or ask at an appropriate moment and retain information the first time. I said Josh made an excellent addition to our team. He would make an excellent addition to yours as well. If you have any further questions, don't hesitate to contact me via the email address I listed atop the page. Sincerely, Walker Mail. I could just see him having a nice innocent picture of him trying to look as cute and innocent as he can. All the while thinking of all the outlandish things that he's going to say once he gets to his next spot and right. gets locked in. All right, so from a beginner to an old vet, Kyle Bailey walking into the studio. What you got for us, Kyle? No, we did not. This Do is we my have girlfriend's uh, nephew. Uh, okay, so was I not on? Uh, now yeah. you're on. So now you did not on. kidnap a child. No, we did not. <laughs> no, we did not. No, we Who did is not. this person? This is my this girlfriend's is nephew. This is a shadow. You look, you're better looking than both these dudes. I know. I know I took it. I just went with it. I didn't deflect at all.
Look at you guys being mentors, big brothers. We're trying, man. We're trying to get back. One day he could be on his show and talk about this moment right here. I'd let my song song hang out with you two. Uh, Not him. Absolutely. That's why I haven't had Bryson here yet. Okay, fair enough. Um, Real quick, before (laughs) we move into the Kyle Bailey show, I was just reading the recommendation letter that I wrote for one Josh Fitty Marlowe back at the previous radio station we worked at. What? How many lies were in it? A lot. (laughs) A lot of lies. I mean, the needle is moving on the podcast. <laughs> well, he knew not what he was doing back then. Oh, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't know what he was going to come so from him. so different. Really? He was 180 degree uh, that makes different. makes sense, though. It was so different. For a very deceptive human, first of all. Second of all, like you were probably on your best behavior. Yeah, yeah trying he was. To, like, I'm going to break into the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now he's got his own show, and yeah. he's just been an absolute it's fool It's like the superhero time. movie where the superhero thinks he kills the guy, and then he's walking off, and you mm-hmm. see the hand come uh-huh. up out of the ground, uh-huh. and it's yeah. like a monster that growing. Guy. Yeah, Walker yeah. has a sequel. Now. I know. I yeah. am Mary Shelley, and Fiddy is Frankenstein. Ooh. I created a monster, Ooh. and I apologize for that. <laughs> That'll do it for Wesson Walker and Drum Show. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show coming up next alongside Smoke Ludwig at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.